Sports Clippers fans, welcome back to the Lobby Gym Podcast. I'm Lucas Han, joined here by my good friend Mike Jagan. Once again, we are doing a series of trade deadline preview episodes in the run-up to this Thursday's NBA trade deadline. So Mike and I are sitting in on these midweek episodes for your normal hosts, Robert and Schaap. This will actually be our last one as the trade deadline is this week, and Rob and Schaap will be back with you on their normal schedule coming this weekend. But so, Mike, we're here now. It's, uh, let's see, we're recording 5 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday. So we got less than 48 hours until the trade deadline. And I think after a, honestly, sort of a quiet week leading up to the deadline, partially because of other news that was going on, and of course the, super, uh, the deadline being moved up to Super Bowl week and all of that, um, there's been, you know, it's been a little bit of a quiet cycle. But I think last night and today we've started finally seeing more of these rumors circulating that we are used to in a typical year. And now we're at a point where, you know, I expect we'll probably hear a lot more even tonight and into tomorrow on Wednesday. Of course, Thursday will be a busy day and we'll start actually seeing some deals done. But so of the things that have come out, we know that Mark Stein basically said the Clippers are looking for another wing and a big, and we've heard little bits here and there, although the Clippers haven't actually been directly linked by a major reporter to very many guys. But of the little tidbits, what what guy has stuck out to you the most? Well, I honestly, I I said this on the first pod. I felt as we got closer to the deadline, and I know Clipper fans will, you know, want me basically, you know, whipped for this. Um, that I think Drummond's going to be available, and yeah, he can be lazy. He can you know, uh, has issues with his free throws. But if you're not giving up a first-round pick, you're getting an an all-star, a former all-NBA guy, at a very, very, very uh, needful position where we know that Doc isn't going to play Zoo, those those minutes that he should. And the way Trez has been playing defense (laughs) – especially watching him against Aldridge last night. Um, Drummond's an upgrade in my, in my, in my book. And, and, and let's not forget Clipper nation. Remember what doc did with DJ and, you know, DJ had the talent and he became a kind of very similar to Drummond to some extent. Uh, Drummond's a bigger body. Um, he, he's, he's, He's a double-double machine. So as much as we want to you know, sit there analytics-wise and say it's not a good move, Zoo's young, um, X, Y, and Z, this is an upgrade when you're against Anthony Davis, when you're against Rudy Gobert. When you're, you know, there are so many questions, I think, that you've had and a lot of other people have on the center position as we get into the playoffs. And if, if there is not a – solid guy that Doc depends on. And let's not forget that, Lucas. It's about Doc depending on the guy. Mm-hmm. If not, we're going to see Trez getting roasted. <laughs> so I'm, I, I look at the Drummond one and I think, you know what? If this front office can sell off parts and not give up a first-round pick, why not? Yeah, I just so, – so here's my deal is – if you can get the right trade for Drummond, maybe, maybe you do it. But I think I'm worried about the things that he doesn't do, right? So, so like you said, we know Drummond is a big body. He's going to stand inside. 
He's going to gobble up rebounds, right? Um, I don't think he is I, – I worry about him in terms of role and ego and attitude, which has been an issue for him. He's always been a guy who, good at what he does, wants to do a lot more and is not very good at any of that stuff. And so what you get, I think, is Drummond might be might be a better Zubats this year. Like, you think about what Zubats brings the Clippers in terms of being that inside guy um, and, you know, not, doing, not really doing a lot in terms of versatility on either end, being slow-footed on defensively as being, you know, sort of the main problem. That is where I can see, okay, maybe Drummond can come in and do that a little better this year and be someone that Doc can trust a little more in that role this year. I actually don't think Drummond helps you much against Anthony Davis. I think the Anthony Davis matchup remains a struggle for the Clippers if they get a guy like Drummond. Um, I think that like pick and roll defense is going to remain an issue if they get a guy like Drummond. But can I sell myself on Drummond doing the zoo role better than zoo? Yeah, I think I can. I think I can buy it. Like I'm not sure because Drummond has all of these sort of issues that that we talked about, but I can see it. I think that, and I, another thing to remember in Drummond's favor is he's only 26. Yeah. So it's not you know I I he's a guy who you maybe think of as being you know 28 29. He's only 26, and we, that's a guy who is capable of being the guy at center for you through this Kawhi and PG window, you know, even hopefully with them staying past this two year contract. So I'm not, I'm not adamantly against it. Although I don't, I don't like Andre Drummond. I think he's a lot of empty stats to be honest, but. But he's also been in Detroit, you know, like that's the thing. Like he's been on some bad teams. I mean, he's been in the playoffs twice, but he's also been on the USA team. He's also been an old NBA guy. Um, I'm not saying he's gonna he's gonna take the Clippers to a, to a title. If, if you can get him cheap, listen, the old buy low. If you can buy low on a guy like Drummond, go for it. <laughs> you, you know, we always dream of like getting a player on uh, on a minimum that's gonna end up being someone that's like a a rotation guy. You know, this is. You know, you, you, if you can give up basic math and maybe a second-round pick, why not? <laughs> why not? You have Doc Rivers. You know, so, Doc Rivers is Coach DJ. He's coached Kendrick Perkins when Perkins was good. You know, he he knows how to get to these guys. So I, that's what we that's what we pay Doc for. <laughs> I guess I guess what 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 I would say, Mike, is. If you can do, like, let's say, let's say you can do, like, uh, it probably has to. You have to send either Zubats or Trez in this deal. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the only way to make the money work. And so, it's probably you would say Zubats if you're going to get Drummond, because, like I said, Drummond is 26. He kind of does the same thing. Trez brings you that nice change of pace and additional mobility at the position, um, and presumably. I mean, I guess we can see what, what Detroit has to say about it, right? But presumably, they would re- prefer to have the 22-year-old on the four-year team-friendly deal rather than Trez, yeah. who's going to be a free agent. 
maybe not. Maybe they really like Trez. They think Trez and Blake work. I don't know. But presumably they would want Zubats. So you'd be looking at a deal that would look like Harkless, Zubats, Roddy McGruder, and a second round pick probably is what I think the deal w- would look like. But mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. That, to me, that's like a, maybe like a B minus deal. Like, you know, it's funny because I talk, I talk to some people outside. I'll talk to our actual Laker, Laker Homer about this. And they're like, you know, don't get Drummond. I'm like, well, a lot of Clipper fans hate it. And they're like, look where he is. <laughs> look where he is. Who wouldn't be depressed in Detroit? Sorry, people that live in Detroit. Um, you know? Like, but also, I mean, but the, I, I don't know, Mike. I think you have to at least when, if we're going to have this conversation, you have to say, here's a guy who's been like featured in Detroit. There's a big part of their team as the you know, face of the franchise since he was 20. Is everything his fault? No, I'm not saying everything that's going on in Detroit yeah. is his fault. But I think when you look at a guy who's in, like he's been in Detroit for eight years. At a certain extent, the culture that exists on the Detroit Pistons has to have something to do with the guy who's been presumably their best player and face of the franchise and has been there for eight years. Like, I don't know that you're he gets a up, total listen, You bring up a great point, and I'm going to bring up one name. I'm not going to say he's going to turn into this. Rasheed Wallace. It's a very Rasheed Wallace situation. Let's put it that way. Rasheed, a guy that really didn't buy in, had a ton of talent, was in Portland, then, you know, basically traded to Atlanta, then went to Detroit and bought in. It could be that type of scenario. I mean, he's not a number one. We know that. We don't yeah. need him to be a number one. We need him to be a good number three. <laughs> That's all we need. And can he be in the good number three? Well, I, I don't feel that there's any way that they would make a trade for him if they didn't think that and if they didn't feel like he could buy in. So well, I, 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 I mean, I'm not, I'm not even convinced that you need Drummond to be your number three. Like, I, don't, I don't either. Like, I'm I, just saying so, that. So, I mean, I would, we, would say, we would say right now that Pat is probably the Clippers' number three, right? With, like, Lou. Mm-hmm. Pat, but, like, Lou is 3B. You know what I mean? It's, like, yeah, the yeah, best yeah. guy who creates a lot of offense. I think you, you come in, Drummond doesn't have to be as important as Patrick Beverly is. Like, Drummond comes in, and, like I'm saying, he, he would do the Zubats role maybe a little better than Zubats. Um, mm-hmm. And then Trez, you know, Trez gets to have a little bit of a smaller role because of that, which means – which is good for the team – you still might get into some trouble closing games in terms of mobility, but Drummond maybe can, and Doctus just doesn't trust Zoo to survive in those situations. But I think that my, my thing is you have to kind of push all of your chips on the table for Drummond in terms of the movable contracts that you have at this deadline. So, yeah, like I said, he, here's a guy who um, all of his shots come from within 10 feet. He takes like, like uh, something like 85% of his shots from within 10 feet of the basket. There's no floor spacing ability going on there. He is not a mobile defender. He's like, I don't think he's the guy who's going to come in and guard Anthony Davis for you. He might come in and guard Rudy Gobert for you. That's a different story. Um, But I don't think he's the guy you're going to put on like a Davis on a Towns, that sort of player. And um, not that Towns, not the Clippers are going to play Carl Anthony Towns in the playoffs, of course, but like, you know what I mean in terms of that mold. Um, but you restrict yourself. Then you've given away your contract. It's going to be hard to go get a wing. 
It's going to be hard to go get a stretch for. It's going to go be hard to find someone who is the guy who maybe you trust a little more defending a mobile big man like Anthony Davis or going out and guarding pick and roll situations. If the Clippers end up in a playoff series against, for example, the Houston Rockets, and you're going to have to have a big man in there who's mobile and switchable and can help you contain Westbrook and Harden on those pick and rolls. Drummond, I think, gets played off the court in that series. That being said, I acknowledge everything you said, the areas that he helps. I think what I, from my perspective, I would rather have Tristan Thompson, which is the next guy on our list that we wanted to talk about, because Thompson's a guy who you've seen in this championship environment, right? Like, you know that he, I think he's a guy that Doc would have supreme trust in in these situations to close games. Like, he's, he fits that mold. He's having a much better year this year, actually the last two years, after in LeBron's last year in Cleveland, you know, kind of having some issues. And he's in the last year of the contract, so that baggage of that bad deal doesn't really apply anymore. Again, offensively, he's only doing stuff on the inside. But defensively, I think he's someone who you have a little more trust in his versatility on defense to maybe guard the bigger guys, but also guard someone who's a little more mobile, also get out and defend the pick and roll. I would rather target Thompson than Drummond at this deadline. And, 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 that's, and that's an interesting point. I feel like Tristan Thompson's a, a name that um, kind of goes underlooked because that is underlooked because I, I really do like what Tristan Thompson would, would do for this team. And, and you're, you're looking at probably $10 million cheaper yeah, it's, eight yeah, and, yeah, and it's a lot easier to make a deal happen, right? Because Thompson makes about eighteen and a half million, and yeah. Drummond makes up there at at twenty seven million. And Drummond has a player option for twenty nine million dollars next year. You tell me, is Andre Drummond getting more than twenty nine million dollars in free agency? No, oh no, he might. Yeah, he's, he's, I think he opts in. I think he opts into that to that year, or he does this like sort of uses that option as leverage to get a longer term deal type of situation that we see sometimes, but Tristan and Tristan has one more year after this. No, Tristan's expiring. So, but, but, so that might mean, that might mean Tristan is a guy who you could resign this summer. There's no reason Tristan would want to go anywhere else if he's got a good role on the Clippers. Right. So that's a guy you can resign to a manageable deal. Yeah. Well, so is Montrezl Harrell, by the way. Um, But, um, but yeah, the thing, and he's what? He's younger too. He's another guy. He's like, twenty eight. He's twenty eight. Yeah, twenty eight. Yeah. I mean, he he he. I see. I I like. I do like the Tristan Thompson deal more than the Drummond deal, just because I think we're giving up less. Um, so we we could, we're thinking we could probably do Mo and a couple players, right? Maybe I mean, throw so in you you would pro if you could do. Mo and either one of Jerome or Rodney, and then I don't I don't know what they get for him because we um, maybe two seconds maybe the I mean if we think about it the Clippers first round pick this year is going to end up being like pick twenty seven in a week draft so it's not it's not like this quote unquote first round pick where people just say add a first round pick that's not worth a first round pick as if all first round picks are worth the same amount right but we know we have a pretty good idea of what the Clippers first round pick this year is worth. It's an asset. It's nice. Sure. But it's going to be pick 27 or 28 in a week draft. And so 
realistically, it's not worth that much. It's not like getting, you know, a pick 12 or a pick 13 where you can try to go, you know, maybe you get Jerome Robinson, but maybe you get Shade Gilders Alexander. The Clippers are trading like Bryce Johnson, uh, you know, Reggie Bullock, CJ Wilcox, this level of guys. And yes, we see better players go in this portion of the draft sometimes, but it's really kind of a shot in the dark situation. So maybe it is the first, and maybe that's like the cost, for example, of them taking on that extra year of money that's owed to Jerome or the two extra years of money that are owed to Rodney. But I think that's the framework of the deal is that it would be Mo and one of those guys and some combination of those assets on the back end. Yeah, I, I do like the Tristan Thompson idea a lot. Um, I think it's a, it's, it's probably is a little bit safer than Drummond. Um, but I think regardless, uh, both would be an upgrade for where they are because they, again, I think we, as, as the season has transpired and I know that the team is, you know, um, 30 and 15 and playing so well, Trez's, Trez's defense is an issue. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, something has to be done via trade and I don't see a buyout happening. So, Let's think, okay, well, while we're on Cleveland, I don't think this will happen, but there's the word, there's the name Kevin Love, which is a stretch sure. five, makes a ton of money. Doc loves these types of guys. It's probably not going to happen, but I, you, you wouldn't be shocked, <laughs> right? I would be surprised, but I think, right, we did hear from, um, from Chris Mannix that the Clippers actually did make a call on Kevin Love, one of the few actual details that we've heard. Um, that it, you know, seems from a reputable reporter to actually be like something that happened. Now it's not like they're in serious talks, but Love is a guy he makes in that same range as, um, excuse me, as Andre Drummond. So it makes a deal tricky because also Love isn't necessarily a guy who you want to give up one of the centers for because presumably he'd come in and start at that power forward position, but. It's interesting, and this is something I meant to say about Tristan, too, is how do you balance bringing in a guy like Tristan Thompson yeah. without giving up one of Trez or Zoo and having all three of them on the roster? That feels awkward to me. Love is a guy who you could say, yeah, we have Love and Zoo and Trez, these three guys, because Love, Love's offensive versatility makes that totally viable. But because of that $28 million, it's hard to get him yeah. without giving one of them back. And so then you're saying, well, do we feel comfortable with like, say, Zoo and Love and Jamichael Green being our three options at center in the playoffs? Or do you try to convince no. Jamichael Green to waive his no trade clause so that you can keep both of those centers and send out like, uh, the package would probably be like, Mo, Rodney, Jerome, and Green for Love? that's how the salaries, that's how the money would have to work. Well, Jamichael Green would have to agree to that. And you'd have to be orchestrating a four for one regular season trade, which gets really tricky with the roster spots. Cleveland has to throw guys in. Cleveland doesn't have minimum salary veterans. They've got their young draft picks on their low contracts. So I don't know, maybe Cleveland says, oh yeah, we're going to buy out John Henson. We're going to buy out Matthew Della Vadova. And now we can facilitate this trade. Maybe, but I'm not, it, it, that one feels to me like there, there would have to be a lot of motivation for, from yeah, the Clippers' side right. to make that work. 
And Cleveland would have to be, first of all, really desperate to move Love right now as opposed to, I don't see why they should be in a rush. Sure, moving him would be great. But why, you know, they could try to move him this summer. They could try to move him next deadline. Like, they're not on the verge of competing and need that cap space right now. And I think that they might, someone out there might be willing to give them something a little more than the Clippers piecing together four random contracts. Like, maybe they can get a more solid player, you know? Yeah, I agree. And I, 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 you know, getting back to the Tristan factor, because I, I think this is, this is something I heard a few weeks ago from a Cavs insider. I know I let you and the guys know um, that he could possibly be a, a buyout candidate because he's expiring and he is, um, he's been so loyal to the Cavs organization over the years. Um, so I don't think I, 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 the more I think about this, I think we can get Tristan with contracts <laughs> because I think they're going to do Tristan right. Well, and I think, so, you, you know, you, we talk a lot. The reason we mentioned Mo Harkless and all these trades, of course, is because Harkless has that $11 million expiring contract. So if the Clippers are going to swing for any of these big deals, Harkless's contract has to be the centerpiece of it for math purposes. And since it's over this year, other teams get to, not worry about their flexibility going forward. But let's not forget Mo Harkless, for all of his limitations offensively, to be sure, is a good basketball player and he's 26 years old. And so if you're a team like Cleveland that is not very good, that needs more NBA caliber guys on on your team, you can get a guy like Mo Harkless, who has a bunch of playoff experience from his years in Portland, by the way, to come in. Maybe he's a guy, he's 26, maybe he's a guy who you even re-sign, right? So I think even just getting like, like there's value in getting Harkless for Tristan Thompson, I think, because Harkless is a few years younger, versatile forward, plugs in your rotation, and is someone who may, maybe you might want to keep around, right? So, well, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you have Sexton, Garland, and Porter. That's a lot and, better for them than, than yeah. Thompson leaving for nothing, I think. Exactly. Exactly. That's a, that's a guy that, you know, you know you're going to play the kids the rest of the year. Moe's a good guy that's going to play 20, 25 minutes, and his defense will rub off on some of these kids. I'm not saying they'll, they'll end up being, you know, stoppers, but that's the, those are the kind of guys you want, you know, to bring in when you're, when you're building, a, building a young team. Yeah, all right. So, so. let's, so let's uh, you know, I think we talk about Drummond, we talk about Thompson, talked a little bit about Love, although I don't think that Love is necessarily, um, you know, he, he's kind of a different conversation than these these center options we've been reviewing. I want to mention two more guys, but I think both of them are going to, we have we're going to have a little less to say about than Drummond and Thompson. The first is going to be Clint Capella, just because we've heard so much traction in the last few days that the Rockets are trying to move Capella, that the Rockets feel like they can get a cheaper center and a wing upgrade that the Rockets are trying to avoid the luxury tax because of their new owner. Um, all of these things. Now there's very little reason for the Rockets to give Capella to the Clippers. And in fact, most of the reporting has indicated that they are specifically looking to send him to Eastern Conference teams, uh, Atlanta being one example. But uh, I think Danny LaRue, um, who obviously is speculating and not reporting, mentioned that there could be like a, a Harkless and Harrell for Capella swap 
gives the Rockets no long-term salary going forward, a cheaper option at center, right? He, Trez makes $6 million this year that fits well in their all-offense, no-defense, heavy pick-and-roll system, and a wing defensive option in Harkless that they just don't have right now at the three and the four. The Clippers get Capello, who's a big upgrade at center for them. I maybe, you know, I kind of feel like, well, yeah, I really like Capella, but that deal helps the Rockets way too much. Maybe the Rockets mm-hmm. feel that's like what, that's what I was thinking. Like, yeah. I mean, maybe, well, the, you know, maybe, maybe the Rockets feel the same way. Maybe it's a situation where both teams kind of, uh, you know, just deal with it to get better themselves. The, the other thing to consider are the Rockets really a huge threat to the Clippers, right? Is help, helping them get better is probably, you know, maybe the Clippers should really only be worried about, like, the Lakers and Bucks at this point. I don't know. But I, I, regardless, I don't think the Rockets will do that. That's the first guy that I think we, we should – but I think we should mention it at least, that he's a guy yeah, who's been no, talked I, about a lot. Um, I, think yet, I think it – yeah, it, I do think it is worth mentioning. I just don't think it's realistic. I yeah. really I, – I don't. Yeah. I don't. I, I, don't, I don't either. And I, for the record, I think Capella is – significantly better than Thompson or Drummond. I would way rather have him of those three, but I don't think that that's feasible. Another guy that, that we should at least mention um, that we've talked about before, so I don't think we need to go into too much detail, is Dwayne Dedman in Sacramento. Continues to be very yep. available. <laughs> if the Clippers are going down this path of uh, – if, if, if you're the Clippers front office and you're told we need to have a new center – by Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern. We need to have a backup wing by Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern. Dwayne Dedman might be the fallback of all fallbacks in that center conversation. The guy that you know you can get, that you know is going to be available. On a bad contract. Yeah, on a bad contract, playing very poorly this year. But if you're thinking, we just need to roll the dice and go get a guy who might be able to come and contribute, then Deadman is a guy that you know you're going to be able to go get. Um, but, I mean, we've talked a lot about before how, how neither of us are – even if he has that resurgent year, he's still not really going to contribute at the same level as these other guys we've talked about. Um, one thing that's interesting, though, staying on the Sacramento Kings, we've talked about Yelica, who's their stretch power forward quite a bit. And, I love him. Um, I, but I don't think we've talked about him on the pod yet. He's a guy that I think no. is really, really interesting. Um, he makes $6.8 million this year. He's got a non-guaranteed contract for $7.2 million next year. So it's a, that's a nice team-friendly cost control for the Clippers. And I think what's notable is that it's inexpensive enough from the Clippers' perspective that they could potentially go make a deal for Bielica without giving up Harkless, which means – you know, if you can do, say, Rodney McGruder, who we figure I, – I think you and I agree on this. Rodney McGruder's not good enough to be a viable depth option in the playoffs. So, no. yeah, the, Clipper, the Clippers are going to need to find some buyout or C.J. Miles or Glenn Robinson, the third guy, for that anyway. So they might as well trade Rodney's contract, right? Um, so if you can do like a Rodney McGruder and then Patrick Patterson, who's the stretch four that Bielica would be replacing – and maybe that Clippers first round pick that I was talking about or a couple of second round picks to go get Bielica, you get a guy who's going to come in. He's 6'10". He mostly plays the four. He plays a little bit of five for them. He's a dead-eye three-point shooter on good volume at his 
um, especially for his height and his position, averaging 12.6 rebounds, three assists a game this year. He comes in, and we've talked about how the Clippers' offense is better when Kawhi plays the four, mostly because you've got Landry Shamit in the game, who's such a marksman mm-hmm. at shooting guard that it opens up the spacing. Well, Bielica gives you an option. He's not necessarily going to be a guy who's going to close big games or close games every night, but he gives you a guy that can let you have that spacing that Shamit brings, but still play big with a 6'10 power forward and PG and Kawhi on the wings. And I think that that is really valuable to the Clippers this year. I don't think it's as important as getting someone who you trust closing games defensively at center. But I think because you don't need to use the Harkless contract to go get Bielica, this could be a really, really good addition for the Clippers if they were to make maybe two separate trades. Or if the, let's say none of these other center options materialize and you go, well, let's, you know, let's just roll the dice with Deadman. Maybe you do like Harkless and McGruder for Deadman and Bielica, and the Kings get to offload that um, Deadman contract onto you for Harkless's expiring in exchange for giving you Bielica. I mean, I, I, I'm all in with Bielica. I mean, I, I, I've, always, I've always liked him. Even when he was with Minnesota, ironically, he was supposed to sign with the Sixers and bailed, remember, and then went to the Kings. I'm not, I'm not a Sixers fan like you, so I don't, I don't know. That Sixer team could have been a lot different last year. They could have actually maybe won the finals. Uh, but um, I, I, I like him a lot. I, listen, he's, he's another guy that can shoot, like you said, spot on, dead on, three-point shooter. But I think he, he, what we've, we've, we've come to realize, like Roddy Magruder, like Jerome Robinson, um, some of these guys that you're not going to get that random 15, 20 points a game in a playoffs for many of these guys. And I know it's not about the points. It's more about the spacing, especially with uh, Bellica. But you do need a guy like this to, you know, you, you would expect, you know, six to ten points from him in the playoffs, right? Well, you would I, expect, I mean, he's, he's you know, a guy who, he, he's, averaging, he he's, averaging 12 points a, he's averaging 12 points a game right now, right? Mm-hmm. So there's no reason to think that he's a guy who can't come into a game and have, have 15 points. I mean, in fact, I think he's a guy that, you know, you say you're right that it's not about the points, but you need guys who can exceed their average in limited yep. roles. Yep. You need guys yep. who, can, who can have those kind of burst games. And Bielka is a guy who averaging 12 points a game, like I said, but he's got just this season so far, he's got a 30-point game. He's got a 34-point game. He's been above 23 other times, right? So he's a guy, he's doing, he's doing that in, in what, you know, let's say 50 games so far. So if he's doing that in 50 games, he's five times he's been above 20, that it's fair to expect that in a playoff run, you might get a game or two where he comes in, he's got 18 points, he's got 22 points off the bench, and he really mm-hmm. brings you that lift. Well, let's also remember, too, a guy like this, you know, um, with PG, Kawhi, and, and Lou, um, they, they demand so much, and they will demand so much in the playoffs. Like Trez does too, but you know the, those three can get their shots. Stretch guys, guys like uh, uh, Bellica are are so vital and make 
you know, they just open things up that aren't necessarily there for a guy like Harkless, you know, that I don't mm-hmm. think he should be in the starting lineup over Shamit. But you know that there's certain people that aren't going to hurt you. Bellico can hurt you, <laughs> you know. Shamit, we know, and we've seen yeah. him over the course of the last couple of weeks, can hurt you. And this is what we expect. So you're adding in the fold another guy that when you get in the series of the Lakers, they're going to collapse Kawhi. And this man's going to be wide open. Shamit's going to be wide open. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, instead of like picture poison with, with George, Lou, and, and, and Kawhi, it's going to be like, oh, no, we got, we got another open sharpshooter. I, 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 I like it a lot. I really do yeah. like it a lot. And, and I think another guy in this category is kind of the stretch four role that, again, we've talked about a lot. We don't have to get too into today because mm-hmm. we know folks have heard it, um, is Marcus Morris. And, and I think the reason why he's worth mentioning in this conversation today for two reasons. The first is that the Knicks earlier today fired their president of basketball operations, Stephen Mills. The reporting, mm-hmm. I think, from Adrian Wojnarowski, but I'm, I, that's, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure it was Woj, saying that one of the reasons why the why Steve Mills and the Knicks parted way was disagreement over how to handle Morris at this deadline and that ownership would now be trying to trade Marcus Morris by the deadline, which means that you're no longer negotiating with Steve Mills. You're negotiating with James Dolan, who's made very clear that he wants to move Morris. So I actually think Morris could get moved for less than we're expecting. But yeah. what, I, what I would say here is Morris is a guy because of that $15 million salary, he has to be your big acquisition. He, you have to use the Harkless contract to get him. Bielica is a guy that you can get, you can go get, like you could go get Tristan Thompson and Bielica. You could get both of them. You can't get I, really and, Tristan and Thompson and, honestly, and Marcus I, I would take that and I would, I would, I would their hands down, the, the, the favorites in the West. I mean, there's, uh, I think a lot of people let their papers in the West now, but I, I, that, that, that the team, I think, vastly improves. Uh, so, so let me ask you this, Mike. Take the contracts out of it. Do you think that Morris or Bielka is a better fit for the Clippers? Um, I think I, I, – if I can get Bielka and Thompson, I, I'd do that. Um, yeah, I, I think I, that, that that would be more that would be more beneficial. I think to the team as a whole. Um, I think Morris. I think Morris is very. The thing I love about Morris, and 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 we won't need it as much now. But with Paul uh, and Kawhi out of the lineup a lot, uh, we miss that kind of not glue guy, but that other person because the bench has been so lousy. And I think Morris does a lot of that. Morris definitely will make this team tougher. He 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 hits shots. He defends. Um, I I would be more than happy with him. But um, I I think he, there's a bigger price with him. Wouldn't you Wouldn't you agree? Than Belaga? Yeah, I think. I mean, I think just in terms of the the money, right, to make the math work. But I also sort of wonder. Morris is a guy who takes a lot of mid range shots. Takes a lot mm-hmm. of shots. Period is a ball stopper, a isolation guy. He can get his own shot for sure, but it's not going to be a super efficient shot. It's going to be one of those mid-range pull-ups. Bielica is a guy who fits a little more seamlessly into a system around guys 
like Pat and Kawhi and Paul and Lou who will have the ball in their hands. And I think Morris is maybe a little overrated defensively. Not that Bielka's an especially good defender either. I, I, I don't know. I don't know exactly where I fall on that. Morris is probably the better player. Yeah. Bielka's fit might be a little cleaner in my opinion. Um, but mm-hmm. I think once you get to the point of what you're going to have to get up, give up to go get these guys, that's where for me, it becomes a lot cleaner. Well, if I can get a, the, the thing for me about making the Clippers big trade, giving up the Harkless contract and a first round pick to go get Marcus Morris is he doesn't address what I personally think is the most important thing for the Clippers to address at this deadline, which is someone who Doc can trust to close games at center. So you're going to give up your most valuable asset, assuming they're not moving Landry Shamit at this deadline, the most valuable asset, which is that first round pick and your biggest like deal facilitating piece, which is the Harkless expiring to get a guy who doesn't fill the hole that most needs plugging. Yellick is a guy who you can go get to provide you that floor spacing in the power forward position without giving away those pieces that you're going to need to go make one of these other trades that we're talking about. Yeah, I, t- I totally agree with that. And the more I feel, think about it, the more I feel like it, at that center position, you're looking at Tristan, you're looking at Drummond, even though I think, I think we both would rather have Tristan because he's cheaper and he, he probably doesn't, uh, he, uh, it, it probably worked best out. Let's get, we were talking about Drummond earlier. We, we kind of skipped over uh, Marcus's brother, Markeith, mm-hmm. and, uh, and um, Langston, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but to Detroit's a, 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 a very, very, it, it's, it's, it's a mess. Let's just put it that way. It is, it, they are trying to sell off parts uh, like a bad Ford factory right now. Um, and the, they don't have a lot of sexy parts. We've heard Derek Rose's name out there. I, I hope we're staying clear of him. Yeah, I, I want, I want no part of that. Um, but, but one of our, one of our last second trades, if everything went through, I think you and I, I'm, I like it a little bit more than you, but it's not the end of the world is getting Markeith Morris and getting um, Langston. Right. I mean, it's not, it's not bad. It doesn't move the needle, but it gives us needed, needed depth. Yeah. I, so, so Langston is tricky for me just because Langston makes 7.3 million. So that becomes, that becomes difficult from a math perspective, not impossible, mm-hmm. but it becomes a little more difficult. Keith makes 3.2 million. And so he's a guy who you can see either. I mean, he's the guy who, who it, I think has a very strong chance of moving this week because he has that low salary and Zach Lowe wrote like the Pistons, you know, could, could probably move him for a second round pick this week. So if you make a drum and trade, depending on what that trade looks like and who you're sending out, if you feel like you need another body at power forward, you could go get Markeith Morris adding into that deal for 3.2 million. Or if the Clippers make, you know, whatever combination of trades they make. Tristan Thompson, and you can't get Bellica. This is yeah, another option. I mean, Mor- yeah. Morris is a guy that you can come back to and mm-hmm. swap Jerome Robinson in the second-round pick for, probably, right? So he's a guy that I think is on the radar, not a priority, but absolutely no. someone who's on the radar, at, radar. As you look at, okay, we've made these deals, we've plugged these holes. What does our rotation look like now? Where do we have weak, weak points, right? Um, and it, it opens up that possibility, like you talked about, maybe packaging Morris 
with Drummond, maybe packaging Morris with Galloway in a last second deal so that you can add a four and some guard depth. Um, so, Tony you know, Snell, baby. <laughs> Tony, no, I mean, Tony Snell has been mentioned. Yeah, I think at 11 million, he's, a, he's another guy who's hard to make work. Um, I think there's also, you know, talk about this kind of Pistons super package, which reminds me, you know, maybe there's an outside chance uh, at a Sacramento Kings super package where we're talking about Deadman and Bielka, but also remember that um, Bogdanovich is available at this trade deadline, potentially for a first round pick. The Clippers would have to sort of boost some value into this deal for the Kings to be interested, I think. But the Clippers could come away with like a backup wing in Bogdanovich, who's a, a really good offensive player, like a really good offensive player and a good shooter, and a stretch four in Gielica and another option at center in Deadman. Now, the guy of those three that is least impressive is Deadman at the position of greatest need. But maybe the Clippers could, could throw together a deal that, for example, combines like Harkless, Robinson, McGruder, um, and, you know, what maybe uh, Patrick Patterson, you know, they need a little more money to make it work. And their first round pick and a couple of second round picks, right? Where you kind of, it's almost like a bunch of little deals that are happening but you're rolling them all together because they're all with the Kings. So yeah, I mean, a big Kings package could happen, Um, but it it all, it has to center around Deadman and he just doesn't excite me at the biggest position of need. Yeah. And I just, I can't stand Deadman. I just, nothing (laughs) about that. No, I'm not, nothing against Deadman. I know he played well in Atlanta last year, but you know, he, he's, he's, I think I would have just much rather just, go get Tristan Thompson. You know you're getting with Tristan Thompson. I, we, even though Deadman had a good year in Atlanta and he played you know, okay in San Antonio, I don't trust him, and I don't like that money. Like, I mean, I, I know, you, uh, you know, uh, even getting back to, like, Drummond, like, I know at least what I'm going to get from Drummond. And yeah, I yeah. Know I, you know what I mean? I was talking to someone talk. earlier, and I said this. I was like, Drummond, I don't like Drummond. I would rather avoid Drummond, but yeah. when you bring Drummond in, you know exactly what you are like. Mm-hmm. There's not, there's no question marks. Like in, he's going to come and do Drummond the stuff that, top, that you know he does. In Drummond with two top fifteen players, the the best of Drummond might be out. I mean, a lot of, and that's why I brought, brought Rashid Wallace up earlier. It's like you know that was a guy that was really good, all star component, caliber player who was on a team that you know could, just couldn't get it done and you know you kind of thought he was you know he was a little older than Drummond at the time but he came he found a way and you know if, if Drummond can get over himself I, I think it's I, I think it's worth the risk now I I, I think we'll both agree Tristan Thompson's our first choice though correct out of all these bigs yeah, I mean, assuming that Capella is not really in a viable option. I don't think and, he is. Yeah, so, you know, sure, Stephen Adams, yeah. right? But but, but Thompson, <laughs> Thompson, I think I have, um, I have sort of talked myself into it over the last several weeks. All right, so we spent a lot of time on, on these big guys, and I think it's important. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, there's there's some guys in here that we haven't gone as in, in depth on. We're gonna spend a little bit less time. Remember, started the show mentioning this Mark Stein tweet that the Clippers are being active looking for a big and a wing. Now, maybe, maybe Marcus Morris is who, you know, the quote-unquote wing is, even though he's more of a four. But 
I think we've agreed, as we talked earlier in the show, that Roddy McGruder and Jerome Robinson have been so ineffective this year. The Clippers actually need, whether it's a big piece or a small piece, you know, because you can get a guy like, for example, Bogdanovich, who we were talking about, or, or anyone else in that mold, who's really more of a two, and that means Kawhi's going to play more four, but it gives you that positional versatility and depth at the two and the three mm-hmm. by adding another body that can play there. Or you go and get a smaller guy like a CJ Miles on, on a, um, you know, after during buyout season, who is a guy who can come in and maybe not be in the rotation, but who you trust a little more than like Jerome or Amir Coffey or Terrence Mann if someone turns their ankle in the playoffs. But so I, I want to throw out three names here that we've definitely talked about before and see, you know, your general perspective. Plus, if there's anybody else that you think I'm missing that we should be talking about in the swing category, my three names would be Robert Covington, who we know is being in a ton of rumors right now. Len Robinson, the third, who is very available for a second round pick from the Golden State Warriors, uh, much like they just traded Willie Cauley-Stein for a second round pick. And then Andre Iguodala, who, of course, the whole saga has been well-documented between him and Memphis and the teams that are trading for him. What, what, what's your and, kind of thoughts? And, and, you, and, and, you and you could throw in Marvin Williams, who you brought up on the first podcast. And I, I, let's be honest, nothing's been said about Marvin Williams. So that's like a very Clipper-esque move to like come out of yeah. nowhere. Yeah, <laughs> you no, know but, what I mean. Like, yeah, I, I guess what I'm, what I'm, the reason why I don't have Marvin in this category for me is because these three guys that I all listed are all guys who help you out at the two and the three. Two and a three, yeah. And you know, maybe Covington and Iggy are definitely more threes than twos. Robinson probably can play both, right? But if you get – let's say you get a guy like Iggy who plays at the three, well, you can play Kawhi and Iggy together. You're, you're going to be fine, right? Or you just play Paul George more of his minutes at the two, less of his minutes at the three, whatever. It, it works. But So what do, what do you think about those three guys that I dropped out? Is there anybody else that I'm missing? Um. I think those are the the main three. Now it is interesting. By the time this post, the that three way trade could be uh, could have happened. Oh, yeah, so it's possible. Uh, Covington Covington could be on his way to Houston, which means Houston has no bigs, um, <laughs> and Covington Covington will be shooting threes with two seconds left on the shot clock. Um, I like Covington. I feel like man, the, the moles of sold him I mean he's in I feel like there's like five teams linked to him and he's really he's a good he's a very good defender um and a, a very good 3D D guy um but I don't I don't think he's well, I don't think we're going to get him now I think we might we probably kicked around um the I the, the Iggy thing I, I that goes back to what you were saying you know we've talked about this I feel like each each of the last three weeks He's probably like that the last second, last ditch deal if everything doesn't go through. Wouldn't you agree? Maybe, but I think I, – I don't know because there might be – you know, Iggy might not be there at 2.59 p.m., right? Like, he might well, be da- – Well, we still think like, – we, we, we still think Dallas – if he'll go to Dallas, Dallas probably is the most realistic, wouldn't you think, with that Warriors pick? Maybe. Unless someone gives up a first. Okay. Maybe, maybe yeah. It, it's hard to say um, – I think Miami might have some interest there too. But Iggy's, Iggy's a guy, I don't know if we can call him the fallback because I don't know if he'll be there right at the very end because Memphis is so determined to move him. Whereas Marvin Williams is a guy maybe you could say is more of a fallback type name because he's, there's not a lot of chatter there. He's probably not getting moved, but he's definitely someone who you could go get. 
Yeah. Deadman. Um, Deadman is a fallback name. Like Deadman will be there yeah. at two fifty nine p.m. And, and so will probably your your boy Glenn Robinson the third, who I who I like. And then I I, I know he's he's not uh, a tour of three, but uh, Alec Burks, who's been playing great, another warrior. I mean, the Warriors are just the Warriors are going to move those guys. I think so. I, I don't know if they'll be there at the very end, but the Warriors might wait and see. Kind of, is anyone willing to give us a second second round, like two second yeah. round picks? Or like if the Clippers make a deal that doesn't involve their draft picks, will some will um, could the Clippers be willing to throw in that that very late first? I, I don't know that I that that's a good call, but um, but yeah, yeah. I I, I before, and I want to bring this up because I, I I don't think it'll happen. But what are you what are your odds? Treads gets dealt. I would say maybe I I, I think the Clippers are open to it to be honest, but I've had a hard time finding a deal that really makes sense there. So I would say yeah. they're probably below 20% for me. Like I wouldn't be shocked if they moved him, but I would probably be surprised at the deal. You know what I mean? Like Trez, Trez being traded wouldn't surprise me, but it would have to be whatever the specific, whatever the specific deal, deal is would, would be a little surprising. Um, yeah, exactly. No, I mean, we both, would you, I know this was out there too. We've talked about this with our buddies. Would you do a Trez John Collins? I think in a heartbeat, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. I don't think John Collins is really like, I don't, um, I don't, I don't totally think that that's. Would, here's an interesting one. Would you do a Trez Laurie Markin? Um, you would, right? Well, I think Trez probably helps you more in this, in this, like we're talking about this, um, this window, this, this window, right? But Laurie is a guy that is on the rookie deal and has the restricted free agency, and and that helps a lot. Stretch um, four or, or three four that can shoot three. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I think a four five. But um, yeah, I would no. I would probably do that because I think that gives that also gives you the flexibility um, to. You know he's he's injured right now too, of course, um, Laurie Markkinen. But that gives you the flexibility. Like I was saying, uh, acquiring a guy like Tristan Thompson is really tricky for the Clippers because then you end up with Thompson, Harrell, and Zubats all on the roster together. So if if the Bulls would be interested in like a Trez for Markkinen swap straight up, and you have a deal lined up to go get one of these centers we've talked about, Markkinen, then you do it, and is the stretch four. That that makes a lot of sense to me. I don't I don't know well, if the Bulls do that. I, it, there's a lot of of murkiness in that for me. But I sure yeah. Now okay, getting back because we've talked about this, but not directly. You hit on that, I think briefly. If we get a center, if it's Thompson, and you know um, Tom, Thompson, you don't have to give up Harrell or Zubats, but. Wouldn't it be bizarre? I, there's no way they're going to keep three of these guys, right? <laughs> well, if you think, like, if you think uh, I think it would have to look like sort of how the Clippers balanced um, Zubat and Trez and Boban, or I'm sorry, Gortat, Trez, and Boban in the first mm-hmm. half of last season, where I think, you know, depending on, depending on the guy – Doc probably is put in a position where he has to play Trez and whoever the guy is together, right? Um, so if it's Drummond, that's really a non-starter. But like we said, for Drummond, 
one of these guys has to go out. Trez and Thompson is a spacing nightmare, but they're at least both mobile enough that, you know, you can do something for a few minutes a game and probably not suffer too badly. Um, and that way everyone's able to play. And I think you just end up with like, you know, 48 minutes split three ways is 16 minutes a guy. So Zubats, you know, you give, he's getting what, 18 now. So he gets 16, whoever's coming in maybe gets 20 and Trez gets 20 and those guys share the floor for eight minutes. Uh, that's the best I, I can come up with, but um, yeah, it, it's complicated. But, that's a, but sure. that's a lot of, that's a lot of, that's three guys that can't shoot. Yeah. I mean, they're, you know what I mean? Like, that's why, that's why I feel like if you, I feel like if you're going to, if, if, if there's no way there's going to be those two guys, Trez and Zubats and one other guy, that's a big that's what. That's why I'm like. Yeah. That's why this is so fascinating. I just don't know what these guys are thinking because there's so many scenarios. You know, you and we talk about the two-year window, and then we talk about Trez being a free agent, but he has a six million dollars, and he's so vital to the team, so you can't get much, you know, huge in return. Um, and then, you know, maybe there's a combo guard that they go after that becomes available. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what to expect, um, but I feel like, like, like I said earlier, I think Wednesday night while we're sleeping, or you know, twelve o'clock on Thursday, they'll do all their deals. Yeah, I mean, I. I the, this is just such the like I was saying. We've got less than forty-eight hours now until the deadline. And we haven't started really getting the first dominoes. So we're still having kind of these talks. Maybe it's just a really quiet deadline. And I think that the league, yeah. the league is a little bit set up for a quiet deadline because of the way that, um, you know, there's just a lot of teams that are competing for playoff spots right now. So there's way more buyers than sellers in this year's deadline. Um, and a lot of the teams that would be buyers don't really have assets to go make deals happen. So there's not a lot that is like, cause I mean, you just think about it. Like normally the right, the contenders are the ones who are going to go buy at the deadline and the Lakers yeah. and the Clippers are probably, you know, them and the, the Bucks are the three teams most likely to win a championship. And the Lakers and the Clippers both just traded all their draft picks away this last summer for Anthony Davis and Paul George. So maybe we're just set but up the Clippers, for, but for the Clippers really, have more to get rid of. Like they, they still have that first round pick and they do have those movable contracts. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they have more to do. They have, they have more to work with than the Lakers to be sure. Yeah. But they don't have a ton, you know, and that realistically that the LAC 2020 first round pick, like you're saying is just not that valuable and they don't have the option to add in another first round pick because they don't have any. Well, and getting back to what you just said, like not just the Lakers and the Clippers, let's go down the list. Like, Denver, you know, Denver, what, what will they give up that, that, that's valuable? I mean, they can give a Plumlee expiring first, maybe. Um, Houston's tied. That's why they're talking about Capella. You know, Dallas has that, you know, Courtney Lee and that second-round pick. But, you know, does a guy like Iggy want to go there? You know, but, but that team doesn't get much better because, as you mentioned, it's like you have two guys that are less than 25, and you're not going to yeah. work probably get out of the first round and then you have like portland trying to get in you have a new orleans with a ton of assets you have okc with a ton of assets so and I no, mean, normally those like teams in, in teams at the point where like portland and okc are now like 
those are the teams we'd expect to be selling. But this year, they're the teams with the assets instead of the teams yeah. looking for the assets. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. so we're, we're, you know, we're coming up on, on the end of our show here, Mike. I'm going to ask you some, some rapid fire questions. And okay. I, want, I want you to give, give me short answers, okay? Okay. Do the Clippers make a trade before the deadline? Yes. Do the Clippers trade Mo Harkless before the deadline? Yes. Do the Clippers trade Montrez Harrell before the deadline? No. Who is the most likely person for Mo Harkless to be traded for? I am going to go with Tristan Thompson. Okay. Well, there you have it, folks. Mike Jaglin yes. has just told you exactly what's going to happen. You don't need to go on Twitter for the next couple of days. <laughs> So just, um, yeah, so just fast forward, forward to Thursday night. Yeah, yeah. For if if uh, if for some reason uh, that isn't what happens, you can forward all your complaints uh, directly to him. No need to run them by me. Um, I love complaints. <laughs> okay, that so that's going to do it for our episode. Uh, this is the. Wait, final... Can I ask you who, before we go? I mean, who do you think? Who I mean, is I, I think Thompson, but I've been selling you on Thompson all day, and now it feels like now it's it's going to seem like I'm copying you. That's not fair. You've been well, trying to sell me on on. Drum. I think it's going to be okay, okay. Let's just go this way. I think it's going to be Thompson or Drum. One of those two. Can I just because we need a big. We're gonna. I'm gonna go Thompson or Drum, and you're probably gonna say the same thing. Though, yeah, and, and, and well, I, I'm not. I'm. I'm not sure that Drummond is really as viable. Um, I think that Bielica. I feel like the Clippers are, are going – and, you know, we haven't heard the name Thaddeus Young in a while, who we know the Clippers have liked at every deadline in free agency for several years, right? He's one of those guys that his name kind of always comes up, but it never totally makes sense. He's, maybe that's a name that crops back up in the next couple of days for the Clippers as well. But Bielica is a guy who I think fits what the Clippers need at both the price point and trade value point that makes sense for them for that need at, at shooting power forward. That, that he makes a lot of sense to me as a Clippers target. Um, so maybe even more likely than trading for Tristan Thompson, I think, like, like if, if the question is, which, which player do I think the Clippers are most likely to trade for? Bielica might be the guy for me. Marcus Morris is, you know, there, we're, there's so much smoke there. There's got to be a little bit of fire, right? The Clippers have interest there. With the Knicks situation, maybe he gets moved. It's possible, Yeah. It's hard to predict the Clippers, you know, I think, I think one thing that we should, you know, we'll, we'll get, we give these predictions and they're all good and fun and, you know, put each other on the spot and everything. But I think we both agree the Clippers in recent years have always done something that we didn't expect them to do. Even this last summer when we may have said we expect them to get Kawhi, we certainly did not see Paul George coming there where that came out of nowhere. Right. So I think the, the caveat for listeners here is that, the Clippers always surprise us, mm-hmm. and you know we've. That's yep. why that's why we've done these episodes kind of as broadly as we have, where we talk about a dozen different guys in every show, just because. Well, I don't. We know we the Clippers are kind of unpredictable, and and that's why there's not very many concrete rumors out there about the Clippers as compared to like a team like Houston or the Knicks, where we're hearing about every little thing that's happening. Yep. Yep. No, and, and, and this team, you know, they're not going to make trades that are going to screw themselves in the long run, but also that aren't going to make them, make them uh, hopefully 
the title contender and to take, you know, to make sure that they're in position to, you know, run through that two-year window. So, I, again, I we don't know what they, they work. They work like assassins. So <laughs> we we have no clue. We're just trying to gather as many names that seem realistic to us. And then when they trade for Aaron Gordon, we'll be like, oh, my God. Um, <laughs> yeah. So. <I> <laughs> Aaron Gordon to me is not even not even one that's that's worth like diving into. I know, but you know what I mean. Spot, but yeah, I don't the names, name. the names <laughs> um, Yeah. All right, so so this is it. This is the end of our last of our three part trade deadline preview series. Here, doing special episodes on the Lob the Jam the podcast. I'm Lucas Hand. I've been with Mike Jaglin. Mike, what's your sign off? What do you, you want to you want to tell the people anything before the end of our final trade deadline preview pod? No, we need to, we should do a post one. Should I do a post do one? Oh yeah, my God, Mike, you're working clear. me to death. I see. I may, we'll think about it. We'll think about it. Okay, but this is okay. definitely our last. This is definitely our last trade deadline preview podcast. For certain, yeah. we're not previewing yeah. anymore. So thank you guys who've listened to these three episodes. Uh, it's been a blast. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed them as well. As always, you're listening to the Lob the Jam the podcast. Your normal, your normal hosts, Robert and Shap, will be back with their normal weekly scheduled episodes this upcoming weekend of course they'll get the first chance to react to what actually does happen at the trade deadline for the clippers and as well as around the league and make sure you stay tuned right now to clipstation.com for all of your clippers news but coming very soon like very very soon like maybe before the trade deadline soon two on three hoops.com for all of your um, clippers news and analysis from robert and myself and the gang that's gonna do it for us thanks for listening Thank you.